Hey everybody, and welcome to a heartwarming Wild Ride with Steve-O. Yeah, man, you wouldn't expect to feel so good on this one, but man, get ready to. Because this is a guy, Dane Cook, who really looked out for me, man. Really took me under his wing, really helped me out. And uh, I mean, I'm just happy to call him a friend. We have great laughs. We reveal a lot of juicy, interesting stuff. And it just makes you feel good. You know what else makes me feel good? Man, my mattress. Right here on my tour bus, if you lay down on that bed over there, you're not going to want to get off of it. Why? Because it came from helixsleep.com. And when you go to helixsleep.com slash Stevo, you get up to $200 off of every mattress order. And with every mattress order, they throw in two free pillows. And I don't know if you've heard uh, statistics on bed bugs, mites, stuff like this, disgusting mattresses. It's important to change your mattress and it's important to get it from helixsleep.com because when you get there, you take a very simple two-minute quiz and they match you up with the ideal mattress for you. And you might not even know what the ideal mattress for you is unless you go to helixsleep.com slash stevo for that up to $200 off of any mattress order and two free pillows. They hooked me up on my tour bus, at my house, at my warehouse. I own only sleep on mattresses from helixsleep.com and you should too. So jump on that deal and let's get into it. Let just, what's the best way Is to... Is that fucking... God damn it. I'll figure it out. You have any glue? These <laughs> fucking... You have an electrician? <laughs> I love Vinny, Vinny like was keyed in with me, glue. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, glue? What kind of glue? Elmer's? Uh, <laughs> Crazy? Gorilla? Gorilla? <laughs> Somebody hit me with another glue, and I'll fucking give you $10,000 cash. I have it in my car. Uh, uh, crazy glue. No, we won't. Oh, we see you said crazy. Fuck. <laughs> 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 yeah, dude. Right. Here we go. Uh, you know what? It's close enough. Whatever. Like that? I think that's great. Is that legal? I think that looks great. Wendy, you happy with that? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dane Cook. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so you met Scott, yep. my co-host. Yeah. Um, this is a long time coming, man. Like you were one of the first guys that I wanted to get on here, um, because you've been so generous with your time, with your support, and um, really, without you, uh, I would not have launched into uh, a comedy career the way that I did. And uh, Have you ever, do people really know like how that kind of transpired and where we ended up yapping? Well, I never shut up about it. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard, I've heard fragments and flex and I was always like so moved that you acknowledged that, you know, we had uh, that time, but I don't know if I've ever really hold, held court with you to talk about like how that night was meaningful for both of us. Cause oh. I was also in a very convoluted place in my life and time. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just to give people the cliff notes, um, it was when the first tiny rumblings of the press machine uh, revved up for the Jackass 3D movie. Yep. That movie came out in, I want to say, October, but we're back like a few months before that. 
in uh, like maybe August, maybe even July. 2010. 2010. And I showed up for this uh, Young Hollywood at the Four Seasons Hotel. They had a whole suite rented out using it as a studio. They were cycling people through doing interviews. And when I showed up for mine, they said, oh, dude, Dane Cook's in there. Go ahead and just barge right into his interview. It'll be hilarious. Yeah. So I walk in. By the way, we found footage of this, yeah. too. Did they say barged, by the way? That's usually and, not the word that they <laughs> tee you up with, right? Hey, you should pop in and say hi, but usually barge. Maybe for you, it's barged. Yeah. yeah. So I go in. I sit down. It was the first time we ever met. It was uh, you know, a pleasant experience. And I said, you know, dude, Dane, I've done stand-up a couple times, and, and uh, it's something I really want to dive into. And you said, great, cool. Next week, we'll get you up on stage. And like, I figured after the interview was over, maybe like you would just, you know, it was great to say that on camera, yeah. but sure enough. Lip the, service Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. When the yeah. cameras I got enough of it on, to know I didn't want to be that, but. Yeah. yeah, when the cameras were were no longer rolling, you, you were like, yeah, seriously, man, here, let me give you my number and, and let's plan this out. Yeah. Because uh, I, I quickly identified something that we talked a little bit about, which was I knew a lot of people that were very talented, that wanted to figure out how to uh, recalibrate to stand up. And sometimes in the community, that's like really frowned upon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason they think, this is what they think a lot of people in the community. You're a really good drummer, but you wanna play guitar? Who the fuck do you think you are? Right. And I assume if you're good at one instrument, you're probably good at entertaining people, maybe in a couple of other instruments. <clears throat> and I had also gone through the same thing of like, I came up, I came up in kind of like a way that I broke ahead of a pack and because I was using this new social media element, I was somehow not legitimate. I was hitting a button and ah, that's interesting. circumventing. So by the time this dude comes in the door and I'm a bit of an energy vibe guy myself, I was like, oh, I, I identify that. I, I know where this guy's at. And also... I'd known like guys like Burt Kreischer, who I was telling you, I sat at a Hojo's in Times Square in 95. And he was coming out of a time when he was the Rolling Stones, the uh, machine, the machine mm -hmm. party animal. And comics were being shitty to him. Like, he's not one of us. He's not legit. He came from a uh, hype article or something. So I was like, I just, I, I was like, I'm a fan. And I, I felt like you were really sincere in that moment. I wanted to just return that sincerity well yeah i appreciate it so much and i remember every bit of it like i spent the, the next week just writing material i was even going to like these hole in the wall open mics to, right. to practice mm -hmm. it yep. I, I was uh you know rehearsing it writing it rewriting spent that whole week just like coming up with this crappy little set and um you know we showed up at the the uh hollywood improv you went on and I think it was like Sarah Silverman, and then you, and then me, and I just couldn't have been more nervous. I did my set. I remember uh, my first joke was, um, I, I've been clean and sober since Johnny Knoxville pulled an intervention on me. And you know you have a problem when your interventionist is Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it, it was what it was. You know, I did this thing, and then what was crazy was that after... Yeah. Which, which... For me, it was funny. I, well, not only funny, but like my brain always goes to like if there's truth in your whatever, I respond to that even more than if you said something very funny that was only observational. Mm -hmm. I like response is the response, but like you were saying something really real within a 
the sure. shell of something yeah. humorous. So yeah. was, that was cool. But that's that's how it's been like all along. It's just been like a hundred percent like my my reality. You know how how comedians get pissed when you come on and, and become a comedian from acting. Do do actors get pissed when you are a comedian and then you become an actor? I mean, is it kind of the same thing? Or are they like, hey, no. welcome? No, in fact, like when I just very quickly when I dovetailed into some dramatic stuff or stuff away from comedy, they were, if anything, people were excited. Like, oh, you're going to bring an element to this scene or this script. Right. That's crazy. Maybe we didn't. You're doing something dramatic, but if we need something comedic, they kind of look to you. Go like you. You probably yeah. have an idea, right. but the comedy world, as you now know, um, you know, there's a lot of thorn patches, and there's you know, it's more competitive than what you would see exterior as far as like, you think it's a community of just funny people, just Shooting championing. Shit. It's just not right. I wanted it to be that too for the longest time, but it's just not. And mm -hmm. so you can find when you find somebody who keys into you and is like, take a breath, you know, come back. You know, somebody said to me really recently, dude, I've been getting beat up by so many kind of comics and you know, I think I'm, I'm going to quit. And I was just like, just do me a favor. Don't quit tonight. Okay. Yeah. Based on this conversation, give it, a, give it another night, give it one more shot. You'll feel a little differently with some new inspiration or whatever. But that moment and two years later, have you and I talk about it and acknowledge it. I'm just, I said it last night, man, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm well, proud of you, I man. Look what so you've much. done. You're so entrepreneurial. And I'm sure a lot of those people that uh, maybe, or maybe not are in your book are, um, are probably thinking like, man, I wish I had been more of a friend of that guy. So Dane's the reason why I have a tour managing job too. Yeah. Well, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> well right. thank you. Yeah. The, also, uh, real quick before you tell me that story, I'm the one who released Wendy. <laughs> yeah. I would just I let dogs out of the van and in hope Peru. that maybe they found love in Peru. And so, Wendy, you're welcome. And Scott. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? No, no, I'm his, I'm his tour manager. And so, like, uh, that he, he brought me on, like, nine years ago. So Got it. Because yeah. he's a stand-up yeah. comedian. By proxy, it was like, okay, yeah. that's right. cool. That's very nice, man. I love that. Yeah. So, I do the first set. And, and now, keep in mind, Dane did his set then he introduced me and then i did my set oh we were tag team that yeah night. oh tag, shit you, okay you, you brought me on and uh with vicious cruelty like i had left uh <laughs> I, I had left a, a bottle of water on the piano at the improv and okay. you were like you were like does anybody like have a like a hazmat suit to remove this <laughs> something or other like anybody want herpes that, that, it was it was it was it was like every like without fail like on, on stage Dane would be like just vicious yeah vicious the hazing cruelty. of love that you only get yeah. from a comic that really cares about you that's yeah. cool but then he gets off stage watches me perform my set actually cared to, to pay attention to it and yeah. then when I got off stage we sat down in the restaurant adjoining the improv and I'll never forget it like I sat down and, and Dane said, all right, I'm not sending you back to the drawing board. And I was like processing, I was like, like wait, okay. So like the, <laughs> he said, what, my, what I'm concerned with is your, your delivery, you know, more than your material. Your material is like working, you know, just uh, you're so like tense and like, you know, nervous. And I'm like, well, fuck yeah, I was nervous, you know, like. Right. Thank God. Yeah, fuck yeah, I was nervous. Right, right, and he, right. was, he was like, I need you to relax. I need you to relax, you know, relax. <laughs> did so, you film it? Yeah, well, you know, I just like, just relax, you know, like be more conversational. Right. Be more conversational. It's just, you, right. you, you don't have to be the thing people know of you or think you are. You, right. you have to have some showmanship, but I was really just trying to tell him like, dude, you're fucking revved. Yeah. yeah, get revved. Years ago, Metallica said when somebody asked why Why are you now doing more ballads, he goes, 
the hard stuff rocks harder when you slow it down a beat. And wow. it was like, I took that into consideration in my own career. And I think I was trying I, to let you know that like you can't yeah. come out of the gate and fucking. Well, yeah. And it, it was, he, you said you, got, you wanted to the, seem to be conversational. Like, let, don't make it be so much of a performance, but rather that you're talking like, yeah. in a natural I remember. the audience. Yeah. Trying to tell you, like, you can build into performance pieces, but sometimes, like, in the own narration of your act, you got to, like, that's when you can, like, yeah. cool down a little bit. Did and you that was film your set? Uh, I, I did. That was a Wednesday night. And uh, and I was just so energized that you had been, been supportive, that, that you had been... Uh, you know, like 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 what you told me put so much wind in my sails that I arranged for that Friday night, two nights later, to be at the Laugh Factory to yeah. go to go work on this material some more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just so turned out that uh, it was you, and then it was me. <laughs> right. We repeated the same exercise. So after my, I was my like, set, put him on after me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to learn everything all at once. Yeah. So it's the same thing. That night, I come off stage and, yeah. and and we sit down together. And you said, "Okay, now you're too relaxed. Now you just look straight fucking oh, lethargic." Shit, really? He said, "Now you look straight fucking lethargic. You got to remember, this is a performance. You know, like you got to be an an animated version of yourself. Right? Because you know? I was trying to relax. You're like yeah. relaxing too much. And and it was uh, then the next night, Saturday night, we fucking did it again. It was like this this." Uh, Every fucking night on, you know, we, we did it regularly. Yeah, we and, did. And you always took the time to to watch my shit and sit down and give me notes, and it meant the world. It truly did mean the world to me to have Dane Cook pay attention and care about me getting into stand-up. And it also meant the world to me that he sent me this special link to watch the special that he just taped at his house. Man, I loved it. This story about the stalker that he dealt with is uh, it's, it's equally funny as it is scary. And I really recommend checking it out. You know what else I recommend? Is taking care of your health. Man, your diet. Your, uh, your, your gut health, your brain. You know how I do that? With Athletic Greens. AG1 from Athletic Greens. It's comprehensive, convenient, daily nutrition. And it's delicious. You put a scoop of it into a pint of water in the morning. That gets you hydrated. That fills in the gaps in your diet if you're not eating enough greens. And I am guilty of that from time to time. Man, it helps, like like I said, with your gut health, with your cognitive abilities. It's, uh, it's just really good for you. Athleticgreens.com. And why is it so good? Because it's loaded with 75 different vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, adaptogens, probiotics. It's got it all. And man, it's really a good idea for you to try it. If you go to athleticgreens.com slash Stevo, they're going to give you five comprehensive convenient travel packs with all of the nutrition you need for those five days plus an entire year's supply of immune boosting vitamin d that is if you go to athleticgreens.com slash stevo you're gonna get that with your first order so why not jump on this deal one more time go to athleticgreens.com slash stevo and let's get back to it hardest um, part about like when you're a comic especially once you know you've made it and people go like what should I do and my whole thing is like it's not so much me telling you I'm trying to always protect your integrity 
when I mentor even comics now, I'm like, I'm not going to tell you how to be funny. I'm not going to tell you to take that out or add that in. I'm just going to try to help you to figure out in some way the fundamentals to get to whatever the truth is that you are, because that's what they're going to respond to even more than the jokes. Believe it or not, the jokes are not what they're, it's musicality. It's I've got a secret. I'm going to let you know what it is in a second. Hold up. <laughs> There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of things happening under the surface. I came up watching a guy, Johnny Carson, on The Tonight Show. When a joke went bad, that's when he was fucking amazing. When the crowd didn't react. It's you, like a facial expression. Like. It was like, oh, that's where you're alive. Mm. Not in the formulaic stuff that you've prepared. Yeah. In the moments that something happens, somebody drops the glass, and then maybe somebody gets to know you within that moment. So I was getting to see you in real time and again like i don't want to be like um recognizing pretty quick that like i really wanted to give you some genuine love and friendship i just felt something from you maybe i even probably knew a little bit of your story to understand kind of like where you were coming from but i remember night to night whenever we could shoot the shit about it i was always like my goal tonight with steve-o um Middle name Gilchrist. Yeah, dude. Wow. Is, is I always wanted to call him that. By the way, I was like, I don't call him Steve. I say I want to call him Gilchrist. Um, was to try to tell him a little something that I recognized that was good, and maybe something that was like, all right, that needs a little bit of. Yeah, I mean, because let's be clear. Like, I, I uh, was doing this basically for the first time. Yeah. It was. I wasn't destroying. He was that. floundering. <laughs> he, he, no, no, no. He he was he was he was recognizable. And it was like they, he had a lot more work to do than somebody who's brand new. Yeah. Because they had assumptions. He made yeah. me go up in front of 2,000 people. Did he? <laughs> I had forced him to just He's like, don't worry, if you bomb, we'll film the entire thing. Yeah. But, but you were saying that at that time that you were in, in uh, uh, yeah. what'd you say, a convoluted place. Yeah. Here's what you didn't know, which was like 2010. Okay. So, like, quick version was like, I gone through like the death of both of my parents right around 05, 06. And then I go through this terrible situation with my brother. I had to put my brother in prison for, let's just say bad management. Yeah. We didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I mean, like if I bring it up, it means like I'm cool to talk about it kind of thing. And then I went through the cool down of my peer. Everything was coming like the period of cool down in a career. And that was at the end of it. And then I was also getting smashed by comics that, now I can say at 50, what I probably couldn't say then without maybe looking bad, like a lot of jealousy, a lot of animosity that I, at a young age, was famous, hanging around with beautiful women, rich, mm -hmm. and there was a lot of, and I learned years later, and I can actually confirm that a lot of these same people came to me years later, and I was like, I was just really fucking like, uh, it was frustrating. I sure. wanted to have more right. of what you had. Anyway. I mean, do you were... Selling out. Uh, it was Square ten year run, man. It was ten year run of like everything I could have wanted to have happen in the world of stand up, and then all these things beyond it. And by ten, two thousand ten, I was like, you know what? I never want to do to other comics, especially because I love comedy and comedians, but I was so hurt by them. I was so fucking like let down in some ways by the comedy community. Not the guys I came up with. I came up with Burr, Patrice, Gullman, Bobby Kelly. Like I had a pod of love from the graduating class, but beyond it, there were so many like preconceived notions of who I was. And I was getting, at first it was a little fun because you're like, oh, I'm kind of like, I'm the target. And then it got like kind of ugly. And then, then things were like unnecessarily pinned on me. By 2010, I was so um, hurt in like, 
disenfranchised that I was like, I could either go into myself and just like take what I've earned and go somewhere and be like, fuck everybody. I was like, or I can just like for the next generation of comics, not be that which was to me. Mm-hmm. And that was a major moment in my life where I was like, I truly felt after talking to him and then a couple of times later being like, I'm going to do this for everybody. I can. Mm. I make myself available as I'm not really quite a mentor. I'm not at that age yet, but like, I'm not going to fucking reject anybody the way I've been rejected. And I don't to this day. And that's yeah. why we got to cheers on it last night to be like, dude, we, yeah. you know, we overcame a lot of uh, slings and arrows to be in a very healthy and you know well-adjusted spot man yeah how, how can you say you're not a mentor you were the you, you're the best of the best teaching people like that's a mentor right and what age do you think you become a mentor at i don't think i was ready to um i don't i don't think at that period if you'd given me any other award <laughs> to say like now you're in now you're a provider of this yeah i was actually rejecting certain things that i was earning with my hard work because I was like, I'm so tired of being a target. I don't. I just don't even want any spotlight on me at this time. I was actually rejecting certain places where I probably would have enjoyed myself more because I literally was like just tired of the spanking machine mm. that I was dealing with. And it took a lot of great, you know, reflection, great therapy to finally know like, oh no, I know what my purpose, I know where my place is then. And I definitely know where my place is now. Yeah, it gets tired shoveling money all day. <laughs> <laughs> I hired somebody to do it. What do you think? Sad. I shovel my own money. Sadly, it was his brother. <laughs> that was that was more like a that was a plow. Yeah, I wish it was just a shovel. Yeah, that was gnarly. Uh, you were uh, like the like if I'm not mistaken, the most prolific uh, MySpace. Uh, what, what do you call it? Like uh, Tom. Yeah, I mean, you were like, yeah. you had TikTok MySpace. 1.0 is like MySpace, right? Yeah. The yeah, first you, place to go viral really was MySpace. Right. I mean, how big of a of, uh, like catalyst for your comedy was the MySpace? It was like, okay, so leading up to um, MySpace was like, I see this internet thing happening. I'm on things like AOL Instant Messenger, yeah. and I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to share my screen name. And I'm kind of seeing like, oh, wow, this is like, I'm finding people. Like somebody in South Dakota is like, I'm following you. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I don't think I'll ever go there. Maybe I don't know if I'll ever tour there. I'm writing this person. I'm doing that for a couple of years and then MySpace hits. And I'm like, let me put on a page and link everybody on that uh, instant messenger, which now you'd say DM, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll put it all on there. And I kind of had a hub and I invited everybody on there. Within a couple of weeks, I had 2,500 people. Now here's what's funny. The week, the month before, I was in a rut, I was super miserable. I literally called my mother, I was like, I don't know why I'm even out here anymore because everything I thought was going on is not. In LA? In LA, in LA, yeah. A couple of things that I thought were like sparkly, dulled. And I had a couple of little hits on TV, but for the most part, except for doing college gigs, um, Hollywood was not saying like, you, you're up. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, nah, we already have somebody kind of sort of like you. And I brought no data, really. I didn't have a TV show, nothing successful except like i could show you receipts of tour tickets so i'm like she my mom and i talk and she's like why don't you just keep doing that thing where you're like you know conversating with people that's kind of unique that's kind of cool and i was like yeah this new thing myspace i get on there i take my 2500 people and one night i come home from the laugh factory and i spend the whole night i think i probably respond to 2500 people like welcome to the by their name hey carla 
in where Iowa. I saw it your birthday last week. Happy birthday. Mm. Here's a link. And I start sending people. I spend the whole night. A link to what? Like some comedy, MP3 comedy okay. I uploaded. Sorry. Excerpt. Right. A couple days later, I'm dating this girl, Cassidy. I remember Cassidy comes down into the office and she hears me laughing. And she's like, she comes down, she's like, what's up? And I was like, this. I go, look at this. I go, it's 3,800 people in like, what are 12 hours? And now these new people are like, I just got your link and I'm watching. Three weeks later, it's um, 6,000 or 7,000. That same girlfriend, she walks in and she goes, keep in mind, I was miserable, what, five weeks before? Like, no clue what my path forward was and I'm sitting with my arms behind my head I'm just like sitting in my fucking underwear with some fruit loops and I'm just I'm looking at the computer she goes what is going on in here I go I'm about to take over the world (laughs) she goes you are and I was like I this nobody realizes and I was telling people I wasn't even keeping it like covert I was going to the clubs do this right try this out and those same comics, uh, we're going to go party. We're, you know, kind of dismissed me. I go home every night for four years. I shook every hand digitally with every fan and sent links to pretty much every single person until I had millions of followers and could not do it anymore. Man. Mm. And, and Madison Square Garden, one click. Wow. Two shows sold out. One click. I'm there on this date. And after that, nothing was the same again in my life or career how, how many people shows up at madison square garden it's two shows 000, of right? yeah a little 18 five or something like that in the round though it was like full like almost twenty thousand. right <laughs> it was called the vicious circle that was the rough round yeah vicious circle vicious circle was yeah. first and what, what, what were you doing before madison like how, how big a venue before that like before that college gigs like i kind of hit like a maybe 25 2800 so you went from 2800 2800 2800 20,000. 2,800, 2,800, maybe like a three <laughs> or 4,000 ready. Then Penn State, which I I started filming everything for what was then known as webisodes, you know, yeah. like little yeah. clips, excerpts. And so I was, I brought a camera crew and I filmed a one month of touring with Bobby Kelly, Gary Gullman, Jay Davis. And I filmed something that I thought was just going to be free webisodes and ended up getting Vicious Circle from HBO. Chris Albrecht was at, at HBO, offered me my first special. He's like, what are you going to do? I go, I'm going to do this tour and try to drum up some more fans by the time i got to penn state they called me up it was supposed to be 3,800 4,000 people they said we just moved your show to the field house 12,000 people are here and i filmed it so i have that night on film i go and i see chris albrecht he goes what are you going to do now that you're done with the tour i said i got 400 hours of footage for fucking freak webisodes that i need to edit and he goes pop one in i had him in a duffel bag i throw it in chris albrecht hbo he goes this is like a show. Yeah, I go, ah, we didn't film like a show. We just filmed everything. He goes, cut it up into eight episodes. I'll buy this right now. We'll put this on. Call it whatever you want. I called it Torgasm. Yeah, And then that's it aired it before was. Vicious Circle. Did you do that with uh, New Wave slash Comedy Dynamics? That's right. Well, I was with Barry Katz at the time, and I think he had folded into that company. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right around that time. I think they they joined forces. Because I remember being at New Wave and seeing that. Yeah, it was right around that time. But I was already, like, honestly, my philosophy was already so different from a traditional business route that even then I was already looking and thinking, like, I don't want to depend on, I, I could do this myself. Right. People, they were asking me what to do because I knew more about tech, probably similar to the way you are now. Right. I'm asking you questions and, now going like, hey, who do you use for your blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like I was in the know and nobody else really was. Uh, by the way, he wants to set up his... Uh, 
uh, merch operation. Not merch operation. I don't know. We didn't talk about merch, but his um, eventually special. We had this great. Oh yeah, yeah. We had this great conversation at dinner last night about owning our own shit. Yeah, we love. That's it. the future. Yeah, we love owning our own shit. A hundred thousand percent. Yeah. Yes, and we don't even need to get into it. But I've read every deal, every contract, and I think we can all agree. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, if you can do it yourself, you should. Well, let's say we have a we have a friend that has a cooking show, that's killing it, and then he, the Food Network approaches them and they're like, "Okay, we'll offer you this. It's like half of what he's making, and he can't say the f word." It's like, why would I go with you? They're yeah. like, "Yeah, we don't know why you would want to go with us." I, I just don't like in stand up where you they want to take a piece and then they go, "Can you take this line out? Can you change this? Yeah, can you open with this instead?" And it's like, no. And they're not even comedians. Right, and you're like, no, yeah, you, I get it, and you don't, and especially like live comedy that you film. Then when it goes on television, it's like that's not the same show. It's it's absolutely completely different mm-hmm. because the energy is different from a viewing audience at home. So you need to actually know when you're even filming it. This is how I want it interpreted later. Like you're already thinking of, you should be thinking of like the edits and the cuts, and I know how this should be presented. So even more so, like. Get your hands off this. I know what my fans of however many years are interested in. Yeah. So I just hope it's ushering in a new era now with what we're doing. Right. And so now would be a, a autonomy. A, now would it? be a great time to talk about your most recent special. Yeah. Which uh, has, has had its two. It was a two week window mm-hmm. for uh, the platform called Moment. I think by the time peop, your fans see this, uh, it'll be probably on dankook.com, but it's on moment now. Moment. Oh, so we're still in that two-week window. I extended it a little bit because okay. we're having a good run, and then it'll go back to my website probably. Again, I don't know where, where this airs, but anytime this, right now, it'll be at dankook.com. This airs on... This is live. One week from tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, a week from tomorrow will be the... Uh, October 26th. It'll be the last day of moment, and then it reverts back to me. Okay. Yeah. Now, what like uh, help us understand the difference if you're a fan yeah. trying to consume your special? Do people look at their watch and say, "Wow, they got this the day it came out"? Do I hurry up to get to Moment? Maybe like what's the difference in? Yeah, the whole thing with Moment that really I thought was so ideal was it reminded me of like a modern day pay per view, you know, like the internet version of it, to where it's like, all right, you have a special online, people want to come in, but you want them to see it the way you want to see it in real time, and you also don't want to not get the most important part, which is the data of who's watching my special. And this is where you lose across the board outside of your own website or a place like Moment, which is if you do a streamer, any streamer, they will not let you know numbers, retention, retention, Mm -hmm. region, demo, nothing. You get nothing. It doesn't matter who you are to it. Like Ben Stiller is complaining about like, I can't get my numbers from Severance on Apple. So they're not in the business of sharing that because that would probably be leveraging a better deal for yourself, you know, later on. So with a place like moment, the, the two weeks or three weeks ends and you get a data sheet with all the emails, maybe phone numbers, everything also keep those emails or is it like, I'm I'm sure they do. Yeah. I'm sure they have it in their database. They kind of want to be like, they're, they're looking at like we're young Turks in the ticket master ish lane where they want to aggregate and build up so that they can then probably tell all their fans, Hey, Steve O's got a thing this week and Dane Cook's got a thing next week. Yeah. They want to be able to like cultivate that fan base with you. So they're not just in the actual digital media side of it. They're actually participating somehow in ticket sales on tour. 
Not really yet. I don't think they have that full bandwidth in place. Right now, they just they set up that opportunity, take their fee. There's no there's no ownership over your content. There's nothing to do with your IP is your IP. All they're taking is a couple of dollars off of whatever you set the charge to be to keep it on their server, to have robust chats happening in real time if people oh, want cool. to do that. Um, the experience has been really, really great. And the 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 quality of it has been really, really uh, well received. Is the price on moment uh, the same as what it will be at DaneCook.com? It'll probably be $20 at DaneCook.com because I want to throw in some extra, you know, I might be signing everything. I throw in like, I like to always throw in like uh secret swag where you don't really know what you're going to get with it mm-hmm. so probably a little bit of an uptick um but i thought 15 was fair especially when i saw andrew schultz who had also gone the moment route and i thought like i don't i just think that that's a good number for what they're providing here especially with the two dollar tag on so it was it was right. you know like 17 bucks is it downloadable when when you do it not on their page through me it will be you'll okay. have that option but on moment it's just on their service Screaming. site yeah. and you can watch it for as long as the moment is a moment okay yeah. so, you can so, watch uh, it for a moment so the, right, right. the streaming license does not uh outlive the window that correct yeah, that yeah. Make, at the end of that sense. 14 days it's just the reversed to you over. and then they even said the next day you can you can it on YouTube, you can give it away, you can do whatever you want on day 15. Andrew Schultz heard that and he said, Cool, uh, we'll, we'll do <laughs> right because he was like YouTube the very next yeah. afternoon. One could argue that, uh, that the people who paid 15 bucks to watch Andrew Schultz's special like woke up saw it on YouTube the next day and were maybe a little bit pissed. Yeah, but people like to get shit first, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that there's yeah. a premium for like being able to and maybe talk not. about maybe, it. Maybe not. Plus uh, the the viewership he's gotten on YouTube is staggering. I, I would I would beg to guess that with him that that purchase was also a show of like, do we want to put you on the map? That was like a show of support versus right. If, uh, you know, somebody who's, you know, Bill Burr did that, he'd be like, Bill, you, did you know two weeks later you're going to just give it away? Somebody like Schultz at that pivotal moment of his come up, you know, even though he's been coming up for a while, that yeah. like really took him to another media level. I, I thought it was a smart play. Um, it was uh, his operation really, is impressive. It was very. Yeah. yeah. Very. Yeah, we went to his uh, studio and he's got a whole crew of people. Dude, yeah, and he it's, couldn't it's be incredible. nicer. I was gonna say, and a good dude. I mean, yeah. texted him from the minute you know, gave him his flowers and said, yeah. "Dude, congrats." And yeah, he, you know, we've kept in touch. He's a good guy. You know, you're rooting for him, and that's why his fans yeah. are supporting him wherever he goes. For sure. For sure. Yeah, all of his people were like very accommodating, and like that's how you know, good people. Yeah. Doesn't he look like? the extra in every 70s movie though doesn't he look like the guy who comes in with a tip or information right yeah there's just something about him like man it's like he's like uh nicholson in the shining like where he's in the picture at the very end it's like i bet there's like 50 pictures of schultz in the 70s (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure he's reincarnated it's uh it's fascinating what what's going on in the fucking world, man. Mm. Like, um, well, some of these networks better get their shit together, or they're going to be out of business. Skin and, in the game. Yeah, they need to give it. They need to be like more like smaller windows, quicker. You know, revert to IP to the artist. Right. Otherwise, they're they're going to miss this bus. That's right. it. I mean, I, I I have people. I won't name names, but I had certain people write like, "Why didn't you meet with us first? And I was like, "Because I know your contracts, and they're like that's not advantageous to me." Right. Or my fans who maybe at this point don't want to buy your streamer because they don't feel like there's the value in it the way they did. And 
I'd rather them just pay one time fee, can be you know, come to my gig and yeah. Well, I mean, some of these fucking like shows, like I mean, how many views does Comedy Central get? You know what I mean? What four hundred thousand? Right at most. If, like if if and, if and then after it's had its little push, it just evaporates yeah. and no one can find it. I'll and, tell you, I, I love what Spotify is doing right now. And actually, quick plug is uh, my album goes on Spotify this week as well. Um, and this is the name of this is above, above it all. Yeah, above yeah. it all. And what I like about Spotify is you can get you can download um, uh, Spotify for artists, and that is a, a companion app. It just goes right to your page, and it shows you in real time everybody watching. You know who's whatever. They, all that data is in real time updating, and that's kind of exciting to like log in and be like, this is where everybody's enjoying this piece yeah. of content right now. I love that. Is the audio version exclusive to Spotify? That and uh, Apple iTunes. Okay. Yeah. All right, um, dude. So speaking of business, right? Like. Is there another comedian who had the the tenacity, the entrepreneurial spirit to rent arenas themselves? <laughs> like, has anybody ever done that? And what what was that even like? Dan Cook might not say this, but I will. It was baller as hell what he did with the renting arenas. And he's about to tell us how much money he made, and it's ridiculous. You know what else is ridiculous and not in a good way? The way that plastic is destroying the world. Have you heard about what's going on in the ocean? They got like a big block of plastic the size of Texas. Who knows how big it is now? I'm telling you, plastic is not good, man. And there's a company that's bringing death to plastic. It's called Liquid Death. This is a water company. They've got your mountain spring water from the Alps. It's great water. It comes in infinitely recyclable aluminum cans. And man, is this company fun. They make sure that their infinitely recyclable aluminum cans look just like tall boys of beer. They got kids coming home from school with, with, where they're in trouble because the teacher thinks they're drinking beer in class. The company loves it. Just a, it's a lot of fun. I'm an ambassador of Liquid Death. I fully support this company, and they fully support the listeners of the Wild Ride podcast by offering you an incredibly generous deal where no matter how much water or merch you order from liquiddeath.com, dot com slash stevo you get free shipping it's crazy like shipping especially water that 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 costs a lot but they don't make you pay at all free shipping for all of your orders of water and merch and their merch is hilarious too so go to liquiddeath.com slash stevo for free shipping on all your stuff and feel good about how you're both saving the world by bringing death to plastic and being a healthier person by drinking more water. Throw away the soda. Drink liquid death. Yeah, dude. It's liquiddeath.com slash stevo. Now, let's hear about all this money Dean Cook made. The first time I rented arena was mid uh, mid to late 2000s. And it was really because after everything that happened with my brother, I was in a real bind. And I had everybody um, in my, uh, it's funny, I had accounting and people in my accounting who almost very quickly were like, 
don't need us anymore. I mean, that's how set back I was. It was almost wow. like, we don't need to do any accounting with you because you're kind of at, you know, and square you, one. You told me last night that you had just bought a house and they were like, hey, they were uh, like, you're you going to you're gonna have to get out of that house. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was two weeks away from like paperwork being signed and they were like, no. How old were you? Oh, I have like dyscalculus. So sometimes numbers, uh, I was 28, 29. Um, and they, so they were like, they were like, you know, don't do this. Well, I was like, I am going to keep this house. It was my dream house. And my idea was I had some money he couldn't take that was in like some stocks that just weren't easy to just, you know, power of attorney out. And I took $450,000, which was pretty much mostly all I had to my name. And I was like, how do you rent an arena? <laughs> yes. And I started calling arenas, basically just calling and finding out it's just a, it's just a hall. Right. And mm -hmm. when there's no game in there, it's just like, except for a couple of insurance things that yeah. you got to cover back then, maybe it's different now. It's like, it's just a big hall, especially B arenas. It's a big VFW. It, I, well, I found that out. So I rented, uh, I don't remember the first two I rented, but I remember the door is mine. The merch is mine. Uh, we did some deal on the, on the, um, you know, food and drinks. And at the end of the two nights, I'd already put like a million eight or something back <laughs> in my pocket. And I went, all right, here's 200,000. Rent me two more that are within that range. And we just kept renting the B ones or maybe even a C one here or there, packing it out. And then I kept renting them. I probably rented, honestly, like 80 arenas on my own and just was like, by the end of the year when I saw him in court, I'd already made everything back he stole. It, what took me like 17 years, I pretty much banked in a year. Unbelievable. It's so rad. I think it was Barry Katz told me about you renting arenas. Yeah. And uh, like, is that is that a model that anybody anybody else adopted? No, but I know that other people, you know, they just well, rented. They're doing it now. Yeah, but back then it was like I knew I was of that level, and I'm like, fuck, I, I, you know, I want to be there, but I also don't want to. I can't split with anybody. I don't want to do any like, you know, I don't want to do any. I need as much as what I can retain to get my company and everything, and be like, you know, back with my head above water. And I also just had a personal grievance against my brother that, like, just completely honest. I was like, I, when I see him a year from now in court, I want to fucking look at him and say, I have it all back. I just wanted to be able to say, I have it all back. By grievance, you mean resentment. Yeah, I had like, I, uh, yeah, I, I had like a fire burning was, inside of me. Was there any gratitude that if he never did that, you wouldn't start renting? 100%. Oh, yeah, yes. Dane told me that last night at dinner. Yeah. I mean, he said, had that not happened, I would not have reinvented yeah. myself. You know why I'm okay with it? Because a past the betrayal and everything that breaks inside of you when somebody you love does that betrays with love. I mean, betrayal is bad enough. Betrayal with love. But I can actually look back and it's like, I got a lot of love from him. I had years of love with him. There was great memories. There's things that I can still look at and laugh. I used to think he rewrote my past. There was an era where I was like, I couldn't look at a picture without being like, that's not the fucking guy in the picture. And then just through doing the work um, and having great mentors and people around me to help me, it was like, no, I had great years with him. Everything happened the way it was supposed to happen in order for me to really feel um, like I was standing on my own without being shrouded in the negativity that obviously he had around me for a lot of years that I didn't know till it was gone. And once it was gone, it was like, oh, wow, this is what it feels like to have like, you know, clear air around you. So, yeah, it's like, and I still have a great relationship with his son. I'm super close with my nephew. I love him. It's like everything that needed to come from that did. 
It's crazy. So, so what, uh, is your brother still in prison now? No. Okay, he served good. like five or six of eight years, and then he was released, and he's I've your never talked now. to him since. <laughs> he's my assistant. <laughs> <laughs> he's your poor, poor guy. Yeah. He learned a little bit on that comedy tour, man. The yeah. time he was, you jumped right on the right spot. <laughs> um, so, so is there, uh, in like the, the justice system for, for that situation, is there like restitution, or do they just say, oh, yeah, fuck ton of money. We don't expect you could ever pay it yeah. back, so. It's like there's all these promises and restitution and like the 48 charges or whatever that he was brought up on, mm. um, you know, equals like a dollar a month that you get back at some point somewhere. But I honestly right. looked at that and I was like, whatever the punishment is, give it to him. But uh, I, there's nothing from that that I need anymore. Right. Would you ever see him again and be like, dude, we're cool? I will tell you this because I have to be careful what I talk about at this point. I'm working on a documentary with a great group of people right now, and it's really about that era, the highest of highs of how did I do, what's my philosophy and how did I get there and stand up? And really, what is the cool, fun, funny shit that happened? And then the other side is talking about my brother. It's like the Empire Strikes Back of, of comedy series. And if I do it right, and if I answer your question in some regard, uh, when this is on a streamer, maybe, or if it is, it should be either under a comedy or true crime. Or maybe both. Yeah. That's kind of where I wanted to live. Like, That's dude, great. that was fucking funny, but that was fucked up. That's that, hopefully where I wanted to be. Dude, true crime is my shit. That's mine too. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with JCS on uh, YouTube? No. Oh my God. With no, that, no. that YouTube criminal you always listen to? Criminal, yeah. It's criminal psychology. I just love all I'll that I'll dial shit. in on that. I watch all of that. I'm oh, still dude. watching like old forensics files from dude, like I'll, fucking I'll text you 88. particular bangers. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Episode nine. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, uh, do, you, do you feel like you had a lot of like when you had that hate inside of you, you had a lot of like energy blocking you from like going forward in life. And then finally, once you got over that, like your life started taking off again. Like, do you feel like there was some energy that held you back? And once you're able yeah. to. Oh, for sure. I was in the undertow moment for you know a few years because like of I that said, hate. Uh, it wasn't hate. It was like humiliation. Resentment. It was humiliation was the number one thing because oh, this is tough to not. Get. We grew up in a household that because of my dad's alcoholism, there was a lot of humiliation attached to his behaviors, and so that was the key word. Like we got to look like we're cool because you know my mom and I were like, oh, we don't want to. We don't want people to be able to like take our power with this, even though we already knew the neighborhood knew. And I think there was just a whole thing of like, I thought I'd presented myself in my life and career as like, oh, this is a self, what self-made looks like. And then he made me look or feel at that time stupid. Like I'd made the worst decision and I knew some people were using that, like weaponizing that and saying like, oh, you're not as smart as you have claimed to be by getting to where yeah. you did. So yeah, it was more like, it was like humiliation, coupled with the inevitable come down of a career at the same moment that that was all kind of like happening. So it was like, oh man, this feels even more like they're pushing me down the hill, even though I could look back later and be like, no, I had my run and it was awesome. Yeah. But, but you're back and you feel better. Like what happened to get you to like, oh man, I just, I love stand up. I love making people, I'm at my core. I just love making people laugh. I love, I'm a very curious person and I love getting on stage. I'm a storyteller. I love improv. I, I love human behavior. I like conversations that can be real and gritty. And I wanted to be able to take stand up into more places than I had taken it. When I, when I hit, I had like six tools, pretty sharp, 
but I was like, I'm still lacking in so many things that I wish I was better at. And it took me more years to get like, what does that mean? Like, I want to be more introspective. I knew some things that I needed better in my storytelling. I, I wanted to be more uh, transparent about like failure equal to like, uh, um, not just going up there and being like, look what I did. How cool is that? Like being able to go up and be like, here's the shit sandwich that I ate. And, wow. and I ate every bite. And when you could talk about all those things, it's just such a different, it permeates the, the world in a different way because now your laughter is meaningful, but your poignancy is meaningful. And then, and then from that, all I've, all I've had the opportunity to share in like thousands of versions of this now where it's like, I've grown up with people that are like, Hey man, I'm glad we keep each other in check. Your comedy keeps me in check. Your truth keeps me in check just a nice place to be and it's a nice place when you meet somebody like him to where um Gil gilchrist yeah. <laughs> where somebody knows i don't want anything from you i don't need anything from you i just want to share a little something with you it's a really great feeling especially in the industry when you meet somebody you know that's what jerry lewis was for me when i met jerry lewis he became like a mentor in many ways like a father figure he didn't want or need anything from me and it was just such a valuable correspondence and currency of conversation with him and that's what I want to be able to be in my comedy and just, you know, in real time yeah. with anybody, with any of my relationships. Yeah. Is it safe to say that, like, the, the comedians that have risen to the level of selling out arenas, like, b before you, Andrew Dice Clay was at that yep. level. Steve Martin. Know? Right. That comedy in arenas is, like, not sustainable. Comedy arena is an event and people come to be part of like drinks and craziness and listening to the album on the way in and whatever happens in the room, they're going to get pieces of it because in most places the sound is going to be questionable, right. but it's an event. I always looked at every comedy, every poster was like a Dane Cook event, comedy in a theater, definitely comedy in a club or any comedy in the park. It, it's a different gear altogether. It has different poignancy, meaning, and it isn't to say that some of the people that we're now seeing that have hit those big time shows, like uh, Fluffy, like he's an example oh of God. like, Stadium. he's tremendously hilarious. Doesn't matter if it's small crowd or, or he, you know, he built an act for that. I built an act for that. But for the average comic, it's not the best way to say like, here, let me bring you into a quiet moment within that story. Like, you better go out there and you're swinging for the fences pretty much with everything in that routine on that night. But you're not listening to hecklers in an arena. I got I got hecklers. But, like, you can't even address it, right? Because it's so fucking... Or, like, a... Right? What's the difference between a heckler at a theater and a heckler at an arena? Are you still addressing, like, hey, get this fucking guy out of here? I had... Well, I was college age with college type hecklers and they would like run up and try to fucking dive bomb the stage <laughs> i had a dude next to me take a shirt off be like and, and in front of twenty thousand people i just hear him he's like this. he goes let's trade shirts let's trade shirts and they scream and i'm like and then security runs up and he pulls up he pulls down the stairs the guy's bouncing on the stairs what i would do i remember like if somebody in the nosebleeds heckled me dude i was like i would do a thing where i would look up like i could see you and i'd be like hey dude I'm going to get to that in a second, all right? You And I'd make you fucking believe. I do see you. I couldn't see shit. It's like I'm staring into a light. <laughs> but I would do everything in my power to be like, I got to corral and keep these people, like, tethered. And then when I get off at the end, go, oh, my God, that was like... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't get affected by it, right? No, but you have to let them believe. Comedy, whether no matter the size of the room, is all about control. They need to believe yeah. that you're at the helm. 
in those well, big right. shows, same thing. That'll get away from you pretty quick, and I'm sure we've seen some of those shows, too. It's gnarly. Yeah. I mean, I describe performing comedy. It's just, it's such a fucking vulnerable art. It's like, you know, like a painting on the wall is just so vulnerable to somebody just coming up with a marker, a can of spray paint, you know? And yeah. it's like vandalism. So vulnerable to fucking vandalism. And that's what heckling is. People yelling shit out. They're vandalizing your performance. And it's right. fucking fucked. I saw Carrot Top perform in Vegas. Yeah. Like great show. a few days. Dude, great show. Great show. Yeah. Great show. Great guy. Great guy. He uh, had uh, some. He had somebody heckle, and they're good. Wow! And, and he just he just goes. He goes. Oh, hey, I'm not busy. What's? <laughs> I'm not busy right now. Like, let's see. Love it. <laughs> it was yeah. so fucking masterful and yeah. hilarious. Like, I'm not busy right now. Come on, let's talk. Let's talk about this. <laughs> it's so great watching a comic in that moment. What unfolds? Did, you, did you take notes on how to respond to Hagler? <laughs> <laughs> you just hear the mic drop. He's like, "Everybody hates you." <laughs> like, I, if you knew how much I hate you. <laughs> and then he works a twelve-step program, so then he apologizes five minutes later. You know, I love it. Or he's yeah, like, "Yeah, I want this guy out of here." And then the, all the security guards go over to the guy. And he's like, "No, no, 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 wait, wait, we can keep the guy here." And now it's just a fucking tense moment. Yeah, I was gonna say, what are you, like, where you're at now? Because you're how many years in? It's I've been. It's been twelve years since you and I did the improv. That twelve night. years in, and I mean, aside from obviously you're having incredible success, but like I said, at year fifteen, I still felt like there was a lot of things I didn't know. Like, where are you at in terms? Of, I know what you're strong at, but like, where do you where do you kind of want to grow out that? experience on stage besides um, not dealing with hecklers in the right way <laughs> I, yeah, it, it's just that it accumulates over time it builds up it builds up and then yeah. it just gets to a point where the littlest chirp and you're like right, right, or it's right, like right. you tell people not to record during the show then it's right when he walks out you just see a light <laughs> right. right at the thing right where, where do i want to grow in my comedy um I would say writing, you know, like I'm about to uh, wrap up the tour I'm on and and put together my next hour. Yeah. How many dates was it? How many dates was the tour? Oh, this one? Oh, shit. Well, like, it was uh, like a year, be like six months before the pandemic. Started this tour before the pandemic. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been hitting it hard. All right. And it's been this evolution with like bits getting kicked out. and Everywhere in North and, America they've right. been. Yeah, we've been everywhere in North America for sure, except Boise, Idaho. Um, and uh, like, I, I'm I'm really challenging myself with the next hour I'm going to put together. Okay. Like, like really uh, challenging you, myself to. Did you tell them what you're going to do? Well, you don't want to let the cat out of the bag, I'm sure. But like, oh, it's out. It, oh, it is. I mean, it's going to be called the Gone Too Far tour. Okay. I'm going to like like obliterate the lines and go Good. way too far. Um, there's like, need more of that. One of the tent pole bits is going to be uh, actual breast augmentation surgery. <laughs> the, doctor tells yeah. me, the doctor tells me that I can go double D. <laughs> yeah. I'll be uh, buying a ticket for that one. Are you going to do a mean greet topless? I don't know. I don't know that I'll be. I think I'm likely to be restored back to normal before the tour actually commences. You have to sign your own tits at some point. <laughs> that is yeah. like that's a rite of passage. Yeah, that's epic. But yeah, like writing for that one. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just yeah, just writing. You know, that's uh, that's what what I want to do. I want to like make it masterful. Right. Where like. Sorry. 
you know. I mean, well, I remember like two. Sorry. Same question to you. What do you What do you want to work? I say 2011 was a year that I, when I started, I was. Uh, I felt like I had done so many things in terms of like what I wanted to do with physical comedy, improvisational comedy, storytelling comedy. But where I wanted to, it really accentuate is, I wanted to really learn stillness on stage. Ooh. I wanted to be able to have that. So 2011, like the first day of the year or January first, second, or third, I go. I'm gonna stand plant my feet and I'm not going to move for a fucking year. And I spent all of 2011 basically for the most part at the, not even taking, like I was like challenging oh, wow. myself to go, I need to be able to tell everything from right here. And trust me, it was difficult. Some nights I was like, oh, I just wanted to take it and walk or prowl the stage or do whatever. But I really hung in there because I wanted to be able to be cool in the pocket because I knew if I could get that and get my breathing okay in that moment, then I could I could bring a story from like a hundred down to like zero. It even in, in above it all, there's like two moments where, you know, I'm on my front porch. We filmed this at my house in the Hollywood Hills and I let the entire thing just go down to like the sound of people listening and waiting for me to, you know, come back with whatever the next portion of the story is. And I wanted that so bad. And after that year, I could finally say that was probably the hardest thing I, I will ever do in comedies, learn stillness. Damn, I'm a walker. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a walker. I naturally, me I love it. Yeah. But I wanted to be able to do that. Not all the time, but I wanted to be able to know I could stop and just say, now let me tell you something. This is the truth. And you're not going to interrupt me. You're not going to heckle me. <laughs> I just want you to hear me out on something. And now I do that, and I do it easily. But I couldn't do that in like 05. To, I'd still be like, I'd be like doing this shit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, now wow. you told me last night that you were, that there was a point where you wanted to film a special on your fucking front porch. Yeah, I had no idea that you were telling me that that's what you did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the, and and by the way, apologies for not having uh, been to moment and, and consumed this special. I should have. Uh, this happened so quick though. We were yeah. at dinner last night, and then he's like, "Swing by." I would have like, sent you the link and showed it to you, but yeah. Last night uh, we just had dinner, and I was like, "You know what? We could probably pull this together, and make it happen tomorrow." Yeah, I mean, uh, we had a fucking day today though, yeah, so did. you probably didn't have you didn't have ten minutes to yourself. Yeah, it's. Uh, that's true. I filmed it on my porch at the same house that I thought I was going to lose. I actually stand in one point. Not that you would know this unless you're now understanding of it. I stood in the exact spot that I sat with my brother two weeks before I ended up putting him in jail. Basically, he was with me. Hmm. And I was like, can I buy this house? He was like, of course. He was like teeing me up for like the ultimate like, you know, dive bomb. And so standing in the exact spot in what I think is my most kind of for me, I guess I can say it, like I feel very uh, fulfilled with every element of this special, and I made sure to stand right in that spot and deliver a piece of information at, at some point. So, so hmm. where's the audience? How, how many? On my people? front lawn, about a thousand people. We we they built rafters. Shut up. They built Are you rafters serious? on my lawn. Yeah, Marty Culner, who directed Vicious Circle and fucking, Isolated. Dude, that's insane. Yeah, dude. You put your address out there for people. It was already on fucking Google, and I knew people already had it. <laughs> I already, there was already drones that oh, took shit. pictures of my shit. Zillow already fucking low-balled my, <laughs> the price of my home. Um, but I was like, you know, dude, I just want to, I want to do something that, um, I wanted to do something that was bombastic and big with the drones and Marty and, and what I knew would look like, you know, uh, shooting up there with the whole Hollywood in front of me. But I, I also wanted it to be really small and intimate and personal. 
So I think it's the biggest and smallest comedy special ever created. Yeah, it, it sounds unbelievable to me. Uh, did you do two shows? And yeah, I did right. Friday night, but I, I nailed everything I really wanted in an hour and 40 on Friday. And Marty turns to me that night and he goes, uh, you didn't even hiccup. It's like, you you really got it. I, he's like, I would do two bits tomorrow night again and then do whatever you want. So I ran 240 the second night. And that was like a lot of great banter, pieces of material that from before the pandemic that maybe I didn't have a chance to, you know, figure out where they belong. So I'm editing part two now wow, from the same night me. or the second night. And you're editing it yourself? I I paused it now because at this point, I'm just trying to recoup what I spent. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, I'm all in on my own dime. That's the other thing is like, people are like, oh, do you have investor? Like, no, I own it 100% myself. Yeah. So do I want to start editing? Yes. Would I like to know I got a few bucks back in the till, um, which it's looking pretty good, then that's where I need to start. But probably in the new year, put it together, part two. Hmm. Your nephew ever sees your show? Cody? Yeah. Yeah, I wanted him to come up to this. He couldn't come to this just for um, COVID uh, certain restrictions and stuff we had to do there. But yeah, he comes to my shows a lot. Does he look like his dad? He does. Is it weird? He's got um, the maybe the first couple of times. Yeah, but he's such a stud. He's such a good kid. And uh, that's cool. You're still you're, you're buds with him. Oh hell yeah! I was like, I'm not gonna let this relationship go because of, of course not. You know his dad's stupidity. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about movies too. Yeah, I love doing them. Like, uh, you know anybody who wants to throw a fucking 50-year-old dude with half a testicle in a new film? I'm ready to go. What's a half a testicle mean? I had an undescended ball when I was born. Holy shit. Yeah, so the left one was like up here, and they can't bring that down until you're like three or four years old. So the right one got big, and then by the time they pulled the left one and pouched it, the left one was like this adorable little, little fucking side little item. Kidney like, bean. Uh, yeah, so I got a, but my right Demino. ball is impressive. <laughs> I wish I didn't step on that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> that's exactly, that's exactly it. Um, I love film work though, man. I love it. Yeah, I mean, you, you, uh. Yeah, the grocery store movie, the, uh. Employee of the Month. With Dax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then yeah. when, a movie that you're like I don't even know if this is going to see the light of day like some, sometimes you make even though that was my first one I was like I don't know if the, Lionsgate was a boutique company at the time and I was like this is my first leading role but I also don't know if like these things always make it out it was great yeah no it's got legs man people write me about it every week oh my family we still watch that we love it yeah. so, I think I saw it like two years ago again yeah it, it's really it's a delightful movie that holds up what was the one with Jessica Simpson? That's that's it. That's oh, it. Okay, yeah. Good. Employee of the month was Simpson. Good luck, Chuck, with Alba and Kate Hudson came in and did Best Friends Girl, and she was like comedic royalty. She she was like amazingly funny. Kate out of, Hudson was. Kate Hudson was unbelievable. Out of all the celebrity females that I've ever seen in my life in real life, yeah, Jessica Alba was the most beautiful human being I've ever seen in person. Wow. Yeah, absolutely lovely. That was uh, yeah. high praise. Yeah. Did you have a... Uh, uh, he said that like not every other man on the planet would have been like... <laughs> yeah, but I, I've seen her in person. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Do you, who, who is the best on-screen kisser? The best on-screen kiss was probably... Well, actually, it was probably Kate Hudson because we were just having so much fun on that movie and we were real pals. She was actually dating Dax. Oh, really? Holy so crap. they were together. So he was hanging around. But like just our scenes were... 
it was just well written so kissing and then some of the crazy shit we were saying to each other in between just to make each other laugh that was probably the best experience everything else feels weird man it always feels so intrusive and strange and there's Every a guy second. trying to light you and telling you like i have a big irish head so it's kind of like my head next to jess galbo is like i look like a fucking rock creature coming in like you know it, it's just all really weird until it you see it and then you're like all right next scene let's go yeah fuck man <laughs> so dude I, I i saw when when was it like you were on like was it maybe theo vaughn's podcast or something like like a year or two ago and yeah. like you were pretty big at that point mm -hmm. like and then you've lost all this like what what I lost weight. I mean, what a shitty thing to ask. Yeah, but you're still in shape. You're, you're 15, you're jacked. No, a couple of things. Uh, when I did that podcast, it's interesting because I had um, gained a bunch of weight for a film that never ended up happening, where I had to play like a wrestler who like was, you oh, know, okay. or whatever. So I put on a bunch of weight, and then I did some HGH, which I'd never done that Human before. Human growth hormone. Yes. Okay. And so then I did that, and dude, it like... Well, the thing I didn't know about it is not only did it like bulk me up, but like it bulks up your facial muscles. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's funny because I saw that podcast recently. Now, that was after I was coming off of it. But like the year before that, I almost like was unrecognizable even to myself. But I also just didn't feel when I put the weight on that movie went away and never ended up COVID like absolutely canceled it. But then I was like, I want to get in the best shape of my life heading to 50. So I started swimming every day. I have a swim tether and I do like an 800 to a thousand calorie swim every morning. And wow. it like, I, I'm probably Jesus down about 25 swimmer. pounds in the last mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah, you weeks, look, you weeks. Look fantastic man. right now. Oh, thanks, bud. I feel well, good. You didn't, why didn't you do TR, like testosterone? Why'd you go to HGH? You wanted to get big? I just went to a, an organization that was like, oh, we know the right, you know, yeah. way to get you like, and I was like, yeah, I want to get like, kind of like shredded, but like, Imagine a wrestler with dad bod who still kind of like the wrestler, like a little bit of your look, but still. Yeah. And and I did it. It was working fine. But then I just finally just did not look like I didn't look healthy and I definitely didn't look like myself. And there's pictures out to this day that people sometimes send me and be like, dude, what the fuck did you do? Did you do like plastic surgery? And I'm like, no, I just my like my jowls fucking, you know, got muscles on muscles. So um, now it's just like I eat pretty well and I just I swim. I do my. Uh, fiance does um, a certified Pilates instructor. So I do her class twice a week. I play with Harlem Williams. I play racquetball twice a week. Harlan, mm. okay. And I swim every day. Wow. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a unique guy, man. Harlan. Love him. Yeah. Harlem Williams, I put in Employee of the Month. Uh -huh. And uh, I put him in the movie because, again, honestly, I was like, I don't know if this movie's going to, I don't know how this is going to do. Yeah. Um, but I want to surround myself with funny people. So at least I know that it, we're being funny and I can look at it later. So I got Andy Dick in there. I got Harlem Williams. They were amazing. They were incredibly funny. Dax brought so many ideas to the table. Um, but what's interesting about Harlan is for 10 years, the Harlan I knew, even leading up to that movie, was the Harlan I'm sure you knew, which is like, it, he's just, his brain operates on a different level. He comes up with all this stuff off the cuff and I would see him at the club for years. And when I'd come into the lobby, and I'd be kind of like, when I'm off stage, I'm pretty like, I'm just off. I'm like, I'll be, when I'll, I'm on when I'm on stage. Some people are mm -hmm. on all the time. He was on all the time. Yeah. Hey there, buddy. I want to <laughs> take some <laughs> Cheez-Its there, buddy, and crumple them up in your hair. And then I want to put a sailor's hat on. And then he'd make like a, <laughs> and he'd do a weird sound. And yeah. He was like that for years with me. And I tried to have a normal conversation. 
in every single time I would ask him a serious question, he'd go into this character. And then after like 10 years, and after the movie, I was in the lobby one night, and I remember he just walked in, and I was so used to it, I was like, hey, what's up, man? And he was like, how's it going there, buddy? And it was like a different tone. It was like, after 12 years, he finally broke character, and I was like, Harlan. And he's like, yeah, buddy. I go, you want to get dinner? And he's like, yeah, what do you what do you like to eat? And I thought he was going to be like, I like Cheez-Its in the air, buddy, and then I'm going to... And after that, our friendship just like took off, and he was a real champion of mine. No matter what era I was in, up or down, that guy's always been a real solid in my life. I love him. Yeah. He and Tom Green are really two peas in a pod. Another one. I love that guy, man. Yeah. G- great dude. Just... Uh, it doesn't always need to be about show business or comedy. Sometimes it's just a nice word out of nowhere. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so epic. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, we have uh, some some viewers to send to Above It All. Yeah. I hope that they uh, have a great time with it. I'm really, really stoked. Yeah. Um, I wonder... Can we see your balls on camera? <laughs> see the right one. The left one's probably asleep. <laughs> I put the left one in a little cozy. <laughs> it's, it's cuddling my other butt. The right one has a tattoo. That's how fucking, like, that one thought it was on a solo mission, so it just, like, was like, all right, I got this. <laughs> it's like the, the twins in the belly went ate the other one and it got bigger. Yeah. I describe it as, like, uh, the small one is the moon of Endor and the big one's the dust star. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. A little bit too much uh, on the visual on that one, but. All right. Um... <laughs> Quick question: Should we hold this until uh, the the week after October twenty sixth, so that it's absolutely on DaneCook.com? It'll be on DaneCook.com for sure next Thursday, Friday. So it's up oh, to you. Uh, I, I, I'm totally you know down with whatever you guys want to do. All if you right. think it's better for next week, cool. If you want to hold it because your own agenda, then it's all good. Yeah. I mean, I don't even have an agenda. You know. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm stoked. We're good. And, uh, and, okay, so social media handles, anything else that we want to promote? Everything is uh, pretty much the hub of all my social media. I like TikTok. TikTok, wow. I'm on TikTok. Am I still on MySpace? I wonder if it's still somewhere. (laughs) Do you think that I could somehow, tequila is still in there, just walking around? (laughs) For sure. um, I I wish it was someplace that you could go in and and log into those old messages. Um, Everything is pretty much the hub. I like TikTok because... I like their live program. Yeah. Like when you go live, you feel like you're really, your fans are really finding you in real time. So at right. Dane Cook, pretty much on everything, but TikTok is where it's at. At Dane Cook on all the social media platforms, danecook.com. For the special and all the other tour info for 2023, man. I hope we're crossing paths and we yeah. can check out each other's gigs. That would be really fun. Above it all is something it's it sounds so fucking crazy to film let's just edit that you've already seen it and just be like dude it's fucking awesome <laughs> i mean when, when, it's the best i've ever seen when, no, 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 give, no. give me that link and when i film the intro to this podcast i can say i'll send it tonight. i hadn't seen it before but I, i've seen it yeah I'll, right. I'll send it tonight dude thank you for uh, the love and support over the years and uh you look great thanks you fucking sound great I'm you too man stoked. You look great, and you're killing it. So, wow. continued success to you, Wendy Scott. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for this my was career. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> What's my cut? <laughs> man, I had Wendy the whole time. That was great. That was fun. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. If you don't love Dane Cook now, then you're just a bad person. Because uh, what what a great guy. And again, I cannot ever stop feeling grateful for how much he helped me 
launch what what's now a crazy career in comedy. I'm on my own tour bus over here, and and I credit Dane Cook for launching me onto this path. Really, really grateful for him, and you know, I'm really, really grateful for you. Um, Scott Randolph has been on tour with me for uh, you know the, the last week or so. And we, we, we keep saying it, man. Something about this podcast is, is, is clicking. It's blowing up. People are, are, are hounding Scott Randolph for photos. It's crazy. Chicks are like, man, I love Scott Randolph. I'm like, well, he is single. Um, I am not. Um, I love you. Thank you for sticking around to the end. Thank you to everybody who, who uh, mentions the street team after uh, my shows. Can't get enough of it. Super grateful. I love you all, and thank you for watching. Yeah.